Hi, welcome to Australian Politics Live. I'm Miles Martignoni, the producer. Catherine Murphy is here. Yeah. And today we're going to Tasmania to find out why it's such an important cluster of seats for this federal election. But to understand that, we have to go back to last election and see why what happened in Tasmania was so surprising. So Murph, take us back to the election in 2016. When did you start to notice something was happening in Tasmania? <laughs> well, it was quite an extraordinary night, election night in 2016, and I think we were so we were aware really at the start of the live coverage, which is what I did in the last election, that Labor was going to come closer than we had realised in covering the campaign. At that point, the three seats in the north of the state were all held by the coalition. The Liberal Party had 60% of the lower house seats in Tassie. There was a swing to Labor in in the closing week of the campaign and strategists were saying to us on election night before we kicked off that that a swing was on. And where we saw that swing early and, and very profoundly was in these seats in Tasmania. There are three marginal seats in Tasmania that are in play at most elections. But it was pretty remarkable because the Liberal Party went from holding three of the five seats in the state to having none. The question at this election is whether some of them will go to the coalition while the rest of the country is swinging towards Labor. Adam Morton is a journalist who writes often for Guardian Australia. He's an old friend of mine. We work together at The Age. He lives in Tasmania. I'm more or less the Tasmanian office of The Guardian. And, he, and he's a ginger, so obviously that advances him in the, in the sort of evolutionary curve. He met up with Mike Bowers and they went on an adventure. Well, here we are in Penguin, about uh, 17 kilometres from um, Burnie. As uh, the name would imply, there's uh, all things penguin. There's penguin bollards, there's penguin seesaws, and there's the giant penguin who is dressed for Anzac Day with his sailor's HMAS penguin cap and his uh, little sailor's outfit. It's all very penguiny. <laughs> it is a very little sign of the election, it's got to be said, which... Compared to out on the main road, and we're just outside Burnie, up in the northwest, in the seat of Braddon, um, there was a bit more going on. We just ran into Jackie Lambie on the side of the road, replacing a torn-down poster. How did you think she was going, Mike? Well, she looked pretty tired, and she's she's definitely sort of struggling for volunteers and uh, struggling for money, and she looked a bit fed up, actually. I thought she'd, uh, she was a bit spent by the whole thing and showing the strain of, uh, of running an independence uh, campaign, which mustn't be easy. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, she seemed exhausted um, and uh, like... Uh, I think a lot of people um, kind of in a hurry for the whole thing to be over, to be honest, um, and and also finding it hard to really get a sense of how people are feeling out there. She said she'd never seen people so disengaged, and um, she said when she talks to people, people are happy to have a chat, but they just don't want to talk politics, and they just had it with the whole show. Um, quite how you interpret that, what that's going to mean that happens in these... Um, marginal seats up here, I don't know. How do you feel like the different choice is between the Coalition and Labor? It's a bit of a choice between gonorrhea and syphilis. <laughs> and can I just get you to explain a bit why? Why are you so fed up? 
Well, we haven't had a permanent Prime Minister for the last 10 years. Who we elect is not who we get three months later, so some consistency would be nice. And so then when you're doing that, how do you decide how you're going to vote? It's a bit of a random lucky dip at the moment. Yeah, right, OK. So in 2016, the Liberals had a what was close to a catastrophic swing against them in these seats. It was more than 10% in Bass and smaller margins, but significant margins in Braddon and Lyons. And at the time, that was a surprise, the extent of the swing. But in hindsight, there were a few factors at play that clearly hurt to win. And there seemed no obvious reason that uh, Tasmania would go in the opposite direction to the rest of the country if that were happening. But as we've got closer to Election Day and into the campaign, it's become clearer that these seats are in play. And I guess, at one sense, that's logical. They're always in play at every election. I mean, Bass particularly is the most volatile seat in the country. An incumbent hasn't been returned since 2001. They've had a new member every election. And I guess one of the questions that Labor is facing in the state now is that after such a big swing in 2016, greater than anyone expected... Did Labor peak in these seats an election before elsewhere in the country? And are we going to now see a correction? Now, the coalition certainly believes they're in with a chance. They have to believe that, to be honest, because they're starting behind. They need to win seats to hold government and they're going to lose some. And people who have looked at a path to victory for the coalition struggle to find ways they can do it without some gains in Tasmania. We're outside the Civic Centre in Olveston where we've just heard a debate by most of the candidates uh, for Braddon here in northwest Tasmania. Uh, good evening, everybody. My name is Justine Kay. I'm currently the, the current uh, federal member for the seat of Braddon. Pauline Hanson's One Nation. G'day, I'm Jackie Lambie. Craig Garland. I'm a fisherman from Montague. I'm the second Craig, Craig Brakey. I'm the candidate for the United Australia Party. It was about 120 people here and we heard a range of questions covered the full gamut of issues from climate change and the environment, NDIS, healthcare... TAFE funding, not that much on the economy, interestingly enough. This is the very first time for me in any sort of public role and I've stepped up because I am over the two major parties' direction that they're taking this country. Um, I'm not doing it because I need a job, I'm not a career politician, um, I'm, I'm doing it because I genuinely, genuinely think I can help. Tasmanians know me and what I'm about telling it like it is, no beating around the bush and straight talking. Above all, loyalty to Tasmania and not vested interests. Um, I'm a mum of three boys from Devonport and the reason why I got into politics and I spent six years on the Devonport City Council was for their future. I do worry about the opportunities that they have. Uh, I'm uh, a father of two beautiful kids and a tradesman, as I said, and I don't have a degree in political science or a degree in law, but I believe I've got a degree in common sense and... I think that's really what Canberra's lacking at the moment is a common-sense approach to policy. So Braddon is, uh, in Tasmanian terms at least, nothing's that big in Tasmania, but it's a big seat for Tasmania. It's about a third of the state. One of the things worth knowing about Braddon is 
from our time spent there that the voters are really fed up. That's not a unique story by any means, but this is the third time they've gone back to the polls in just over a year following the state election early last year and then a by-election last July when the Labor MP Justine Kay was forced to step aside due to citizenship issues. And we had that by-election and it was an almost exact rerun in two-party preferred terms of 2016. Uh, She beat the same Liberal candidate, Brett Whiteley, by almost exactly the same amount. And then on the surface then it appeared, well, you know, if she's been returned, then surely she's a good chance to come back again at the federal election. But there are some different factors at play this time that make it a bit more challenging for Labor. So the main one may be a significant change in the second tier candidates who are running in the electorate, for want of a better way to put them. A really decisive factor in the by-election last year was Craig Garland, who's a a charismatic local fisherman who has made a name for himself in the area, opposing industrial salmon farming. And he came from a long way back to get more than 10% of the vote in the by-election, pushed down the vote of both Labor and the Liberals, but directed his preferences to Labor. And Justine Kaye got only about 36% of the vote, which is a low primary vote, but she managed to win off the back of Garland's preferences. So what's different this different this time is that Garland has uh, moved his uh, shot at getting to Canberra to the Senate. And in his place, we have seven minor party and independent candidates. And overwhelmingly, they come from the right. If we've got all these candidates from the right, it means the preference flow is unlikely to be as positive for Labor which means she really needs to lift her primary vote to be safe. And that's a big question for Justine Kay and Labor, whether she can do that. So we've got dozens and dozens of the, the central body of wind turbines here on the outskirts of Burnie. Are they putting a large wind farm in here? There's a huge wind farm going in further west, up on the northwest coast. Um, and part of what is... A big issue up here in the northwest about whether there'll be a second interconnector, a second bass link that will allow Tasmania to export its clean energy, Tassie's more than 90% clean energy, over to Victoria. Um, it's one of those projects where politicians of all stripes are making positive noises, but no one's yet um, talked about where the cash might come from and it will be cost well north of a billion dollars. So if, is there an overarching theme that's emerged in Bass? Is there one thing that keeps coming up again and again? In Farrah, in the instance, it was water. Water was the hot thing. I mean, I think the big issue in Bass is always healthcare. That's a big issue at state and federal level. The local hospitals had um, no end of problems. Uh, it's a very services-focused community. Um, there's a fair bit of underemployment and um, a fairly big whack of what people's expenditure is on healthcare. And while there's a bit more confidence in the place, that remains the case. What, what really struck me, speaking to people, both um, punters on the street and uh, people who work in politics, work closer to politics, is 
how little they really have a sense of what's going to happen in Bass. The Liberals see it as a real chance to pick up a seat, um, but it's a big ask in Bass. It's a 6% swing they'll need. Um, there's been a more than 10% swing at each of the last two elections at Bass, so it's not out of the question, but at each of those there was an obvious reason why the voters are out with baseball bats. Uh, it's not as clear this time. And um, the sense I got from a lot of people was, well, the Liberals seem to think they'll win and they're slightly ahead in sports bet, but uh, it's a bit unclear where that level of resentment is coming from. In Bass, which centres around Launceston, uh, Launceston's Tasmania's second biggest city, uh, overwhelming bulk of the population and the electorate is there, but it also takes in towns and uh, farming communities across the northeast. Uh, as we've said, Bass is an incredibly volatile seat. Uh, all things being equal, you would assume Labor would be returned. The, the margin that Ross Hart, the member, he's a former lawyer who won in 2016 has is more than 5%. But as we've said, there's been a 10% swing at each of the last two elections. And his opponent, Bridget Archer, has a bit of a profile in the electorate. Uh, she's a mayor at Georgetown, which is a district north of Launceston. That's traditionally a pretty strong labour area, and she's won there twice. So he's obviously doing something right to win over the community. And Launceston is, the economy wasn't great three years ago. It has improved a little. There's a bit of optimism around. And uh, significantly, there has been a city deal signed by the federal, state and local governments, which is putting quite a bit of money into the community and will over the next few years. You never know what that might mean for an incumbent government that emphasises its role in supporting that deal. The deal has bipartisan support, but the Liberals are the one that signed it. Uh, so that could be a factor. But the general mood on the ground, talking to people who have watched these things closely is, well, I assumed a few weeks ago that Labor would get back. I don't see why they wouldn't. And now everyone seems to be acting like that might not happen. So who knows? So one of the key differences since uh, Labor won these seats is that the Liberals have changed leaders. How is this playing out on the ground do people like Scott Morrison more than they like Turnbull? Is that going to be a factor, do you think? Look, anecdotally, I'd say yes. I think that while he had a high profile in some sectors, Scott Morrison was, for a lot of people, an unknown coming in, or at least sort of a, to some extent a blank canvas. And speaking to people in these electorates, there's a sense that his sort of man of the street down-home blokey kind of persona that he's presenting has some appeal and is certainly more relatable for some people in these parts of the world than the Sydney eastern suburbs merchant banker that Malcolm Turnbull was and is. I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't want to go too far in suggesting this is decisive. There's also, obviously, we've got to factor in the, the chaos that we've seen in the government some people will have just immediately turned off because of that. But yes, the sense is uh, from the people we spoke with is that Morrison comes across quite well and a number of people, including some Labor supporters, did say how much they didn't warm to Bill Shorten and how much they were hearing from people that they didn't like him. All right, so 
it sounds like Tasmania is going to decide the whole election. Ah, uh, look, there's a, that's in reality, Miles. That's a big maybe. I think um, we know that the coalition is putting a lot of effort there. Uh, and we know that if the coalition is going to have a path to victory, then the story we're hearing is that has to be part of it. Uh, it's really hard to find how they can win more seats than they're going to lose. And these seats are always in play. But we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, there are smart people who also think that there can be an element of going through the motions here. Uh, if you're going to run a campaign, you've got to give give these seats a crack. And it also could be a way of diverting resources for Labor, they've spent a lot of time there in the wake of the coalition's attention to the area, and Bill Shorten's been down several times. So I guess the short story is we don't really know, but I get the takeaway is keep an eye on Tasmania on election night. It's going to be really interesting. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you've been intrigued by this conversation with Adam and uh, from the road in Tasmania, do chase up his written piece, which is published at theguardian.com, just about the state of play in these really important electorates. Now, we have a couple of really good episodes to come between now and polling day, so uh, stay close to your wireless or uh, chosen podcast (laughs) app. Uh, Thanks to Miles Martignoni for wonderful production. We'll see you very, very shortly.